Hey guys, this is G and Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. The two of us bonded over our stepmotherhood experiences, and we want our listeners to feel like you're sitting right here with us, drinking your beverage of choice, and going, yes, hell yes, me too. We get in-depth about the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. We get real and sometimes use profanity, so keep that in mind if you have little ears around. To make it simple, we'll always put the E for explicit in our title. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. Hello, you are listening to Radical Stepmoms. This is Christina. And Gannett. Welcome to episode seven. We are doing our second episode in our Ours Baby series. In this episode, we welcome our friend Sydney, who gives um, her story of infertility. Um, It is one of our longest episodes for good reason. Um, We hope that you guys enjoy it. You're a stepmom. Yep. Of how many? Two boys. How old are they? Uh, gonna be ten and twelve, about to be thirteen. Okay. So, how long have you been a stepmom? What? When did? What, what ages did you meet them? I guess. Well, I met my husband Peter. Well, we got together eight years ago. Okay. We got married five years ago. So okay. we've been, I would say, the good part of eight years. Mm-hmm. I've been around. Okay. So, like we, I guess, talked about in our first episode, whenever you meet a new stepmom, there are the certain questions that you want to ask. So, I guess we're just going to start there. So, we know how long you've been doing it. We know how many you've been doing it. The next question is usually, what's your relationship with bio mom? It's not good. Yeah. Okay. Nope. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. I don't know what else to say about it that's not derogatory, so I'm just not going to. I'm not going to say what I said to you in the coffee shop about her, but it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh All right. So, um, schedule, right? Oh, yes. Schedules. Yeah. What's your schedule like? We have a 50-50 plan, Um, and so what that looks like for us is one week with um, bio mom and then one week with us. Mm-hmm. Starting on Mondays to Mondays? So Mondays to Mondays. Yeah. Um, we do drop offs at school and childcare because she is uh, not welcome in our home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That is a lot like me. Yeah. So we have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> Along with so many other things. Right. It feels really comforting to have those things right? in common Doesn't with it? you guys. Right. But like it is, it's it's a, it feels really good because I, I I have felt pretty alone in all that, you know, like just like yeah, yeah, for sure. So it is nice to have that. It definitely. So I <laughs> I, I do want to note to the listeners here, um, it is what ninety some degrees outside right now. We are. Is it? I think so. It's freaking hot. It's it was hot. like eighty five. So yeah. it's really hot. We are downstairs in our recording studio. The door shut. We have a fan going. We're drinking wine. Um, so we are just, that's where we're at right now. Right. So, so we're hot. We're hot and sweaty. You might hear a fan going. We don't know. But we're just going to call that out as it is. Let's just keep it real. It's summer. Yeah. It's Anyways. Summer. <laughs> um, so 
uh, be, this being an episode for our Ours Baby series, the majority of this episode we will be talking about your fertility journey. Mm -hmm. So Sydney, um, the mic's all yours. So when did it, when did it really start? So you knew you wanted to start trying, but there was a big hurdle that you and your husband had, which was he had a vasectomy yeah. before. So after the birth of his second um, son, um, which was not planned, as was the first, um, he took matters into his own hands and got a vasectomy, which I think at the time was really smart of him. Um, but that was kind of the, I mean, that was obviously the huge barrier to us just getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2000, when was that? 2000, early 2013, he had it reversed. So we paid the money to have it reversed. Okay. So throughout, so since I know your journey, I'm going to walk you towards all of these like good. crazy things that <laughs> first had to happen. Well, yeah. So the first thing that had to happen was vasectomies aren't covered by insurance. Mm -mm. Um, and so it wasn't something that you guys just had the money to pay for. So what had to happen for that to happen? I guess, yeah, I guess we should start there it's funny because I, I think I'll be more emotional talking today because I've been thinking a lot about this and you just mm -hmm. think about the timing of everything and it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting mm -hmm. um, in 2012 Peter uh, very graciously offered to donate one of his kidneys to a friend of ours yeah no. it didn't go very well it was uh, it was a pretty it went really it went really well for his friend his friend is doing great and they actually have three babies of their own now mm -hmm. um, and had issues conceiving prior because you know bad kidneys just make your body toxic so mm -hmm. um, but uh, Peter's actually now a case study at the UW he was one of the first donors to have to go back in um, due to a bleed and so he had just these all these complications and just it was just a long he had two follow-up surgeries it was just it was a lot um, and one of um, his friends family members um, gave us a, a financial gift mm -hmm. um, and um, I don't even know how we decided or how he decided I mean it really was his money you know I mean we weren't married at the time and he was, the, I mean, we both went through it, but he was the one that went through, through it. And there was just a point where I, he, I remember him coming to me and saying like, I think this is what I want to do with this. Um, and we had known people that had had reversals before. Um, so that's where we kind put of the money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't all come from that gift, but that gift gave us, I think more than three quarters of what we needed to to do that mm -hmm. and so the vasectomy went well the reversal the reversal yes yeah and bless his heart he got it done six months after the kidney surgery mm -hmm. so I mean he has like legit PTSD from the surgeries and just being in the hospital and for him to go back in and you know have his balls worked on I mean it's just like <laughs> I mean it's a pretty like right you know, and then going under and just all that stuff. I mean, it was a pretty, 
I have a really good person in my life. Good. Just thinking that. Yeah, I have a good person in my life, um, and it was important for him too. I think we both really wanted to, you know, have babies. And he's always said that you know he doesn't regret his kids, of course, but he just regrets who he had them with. And mm -hmm. Right. Didn't have a good birth experience and didn't have a good like, you know, experience with a partner and really wanted to have that. Um, we wanted to have that with each other. Mm -hmm. So he did have the reversal and it was successful. Um, and successful meaning that over time, he returned to a fairly normal sperm count. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's how you know it's successful. Uh -huh. um, and most of the time it is. Uh -huh. So then yeah. was it, okay, so he's up and running and then you just start having sex a lot to try and... Yeah, well, so we, I think... <laughs> I think... Um, I don't remember when we actually, so we got married in, um, 2014 and it was like July of 2013 when he had his surgery. And so I think pretty shortly after that, we started trying knowing that it would probably take longer than the average, you know, six months or so to conceive. Cause it's just, like I said, it takes the, the, the sperm count sort of replenishes over time. And so just knowing, and also the sperm quality, there's so many different things to know about sperm mm -hmm. and it's not just the count, right? There's it's how quickly they there's move motility, around. And, yeah, mm -hmm. there's motility. There's certain ones that, that die swim straight. Really mm -hmm. There's certain ones that just go in circles, mm -hmm. which Pete has a majority of his sperm go in circles, which is <laughs> great. Cause that's how he kind of, he just kind of is Chases his tail. Yeah. I was like, where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but he had them, but, um, yeah, I mean, so we started, um, I mean, we were working, I was working with a naturopath and had a little issue with, um, sort of very, very, very early stages of like cervical cancer stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got involved with naturopathic medicine, got that figured out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think I was what, 34 at the time. And so just starting to sort of do things to start to conceive, right? So I was taking supplements, Peter was taking supplements, um, you know, started doing the whole ovulation kits and... Mm -hmm. um, did you ever do basal body temperature? Yeah, I did do that. Um, I don't know how long I did it for. It's hard to remember the, the time, I mean, it's been five years of of doing all of those things and then taking breaks right and then doing it again and why would you take breaks because it, it's just exhausting <laughs> it's exhausting it's emotional it's every single month you know um, getting your period and and feeling like that and then you know I think at the beginning I think probably it was a year or two ago that Pete really started to understand um, just how upsetting it was, you know, because he was, he's a very like glass half full, like, it's all going to work out, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. And um, he just kept, we just kept seeing over and over again that it wasn't working out. It just mm -hmm. wasn't happening mm -hmm. the way that we had intended. And then, you know, you beat yourself up because you you could swear you're pregnant. 
you right. have symptoms, right? Yeah. And they're yeah, you're a couple days late. Your you're a couple hurt, days late. Your boobs hurt. Your you know, mucus. Like, your yeah, your mucus. Let's not even talk. I mean, like, yeah, the mucus changes. Like, oh my god, like something's happening, you know, and not wanting to get too excited, and then getting excited, and then yeah, and at, at first my cycles were kind of. Um, right after Pete's surgeries, my cycles went really weird and I, we still don't really know what happened, but I was pretty regular. And then my cycle started being between 40 and 60 days long. Wow. And then I didn't, um, after I had my IUD removed, um, my periods were one to three days maybe. And, um, the flow was not good. Like the blood quality didn't look good. Some mm -hmm. something. So that was part of all the naturopathic stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, at that point, we didn't really know. Like, was it just that Pete's sperm needed more time, or was there something going on with me? Um, every test that I did was, like, you're fine. fine. You're exactly where you need to be. And in a way, it's probably more frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had on, you know, on our, all of our paperwork, it says unexplained fertility. I mean, it's kind of explained with the vasectomy and stuff, but mm -hmm. unexplained meaning they can't just say, well, that's what the problem is, right? Right. For a while, that's that's what was right. going on. I always think, sorry, I always think of that episode of Friends <laughs> where, sorry, I always think of that, where <laughs> Monica and Chandler are, they've realized that they're not able to have a baby, oh. and then it's like, she says... You know, she has an inhospitable environment, and she's like, "I was trying to be a good hostess." <laughs> yeah. See, for you, for you, it's like referencing Friends. Yeah. For me, it's Sex in the City. Oh, so like, oh yeah, I know that too. Charlotte yep. was like trying to get pregnant. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. like going like I watch those like that's my comfort food, and so I watch yep. Sex in the City whenever I just yeah need that, and uh -huh. and I've been watching those episodes again, and I'm just oh, you yeah. know like it's so right on about like. You know, especially like the acupuncture. She's like, I can't get centered. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're doing all that stuff, and yeah, and yeah, you're doing it all, and you're doing it all by the letter. And you have providers that are, you know, I mean, seeing a naturopath, she's been amazing and so encouraging and so helpful. And everybody's like, you know, like there's nothing going on. Like you guys just need more time you just need more time like mm -hmm. let's just keep let's just keep going and um but yeah and so having to take breaks it was like you know right. i mean there was there's just times where you're just like fuck this mm. i don't want to deal with it i don't want to pee on sticks anymore yeah we were having a lot of sex but we were having a lot of sex within a three to five day window right it's not very sexy not very sexy right and i mean i i consider myself a pretty in tune with my sexuality and like really a sexual person and it was just like it, it just it didn't become it wasn't about that anymore it was like mm -hmm. it became stressful yeah it became stressful mm -hmm. it became stressful for me it became stressful for Pete um, it wasn't enjoyable for me mm -hmm. you know it was just like focused on like you know like being the right in the right position, position like are you ready? Like, right. you know, like, I'm just going to lay here afterwards. You go ahead. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to stand on my head. And, yeah. Lift my legs up for half an hour. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That's why I had to take several breaks, you know? And, and I mean, I think the biggest 
chunks of breaks, and I mean, we're talking like two or three months, but those biggest chunks of breaks came after I was late and I dared to pick up a pregnancy test and I dared to take it. And kind of dealing with that defeat. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, it feels awful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, people are knowing about it and, oh God. Yeah. There's that pressure that you put on yourself. There's that, I don't think it's mean to, but pressure other people put on, you know, are you pregnant yet? Are you pregnant yet? Right. So, so at what point did it go from, you're trying and trying, uh, this isn't working, maybe we need to try something else? Mm -hmm. So, and again, the timeline's really weird for me. Sure. So I think it was probably, it was, I think right when I was about 35, maybe 36. Um, and there were just, just some things that were um, it's just not happening um, the naturopath suggested you know would you be open to going there's some certain tests that I want you to have done it's best that you get them at done at a fertility clinic because a lot of times they're the ones that do those types of tests um, and so would you be willing to maybe take that next step you're not looking at doing IVF. You're not looking at doing any, any fertility treatments per se, but let's do some more tests and just see kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so we agreed to do that. And she sent us to um, a, a smaller fertility clinic um, in Kirkland. And um, she had worked with this person in the past. They had sort of branched off of like the big conglomerate fertility clinics and it was supposed to be sort of a more personal approach and you know I mean we filled out I mean stacks of paperwork mm -hmm. um, tons of medical records and we were thinking like this is gonna be great because we're gonna really get into like the meat and bones of everything that's going on and figure out what's going on and when we got there um, well he was a half hour late which wasn't a big deal but you know, you're sitting there, right. right? And you're seeing all these other couples and you're seeing sort of the ambiance of the clinic and the environment. And I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel right about it. Um, and when he brought us in the, into his office, he said, you know, so what are you guys here for? And I said, well, you know, so-and-so referred us here and, you know, we're hoping to get some additional testing done. We're not looking to do IVF at this time. And he just looked at me and he said, oh, you're not? Well, that's pretty much the option that you have at this point. Without really knowing anything about I mean, I don't know. He was flipping or... through the paperwork. I would imagine he had probably read some of it before. Um, and, but that was like not, like cutting us off at the pass and being like, oh, well, this is your only option. And then saying, the focus was on, on Pete and the focus was on the quality of his sperm. And the focus was that, um, his sperm was not able to, there's a, like an outer layer of the egg. Right. And I can't remember the term, but that most likely Pete's sperm could not penetrate mm. through and get to the egg. Um, 
and so was giving it was giving the information um But just like, you have no choice. Like, this is what you need to do. I guess you could do other things, you know, but you're just gonna waste time. I would suggest that because you're 35 or 36, I think, you need to get going right away within six months. Um, and I mean, I'm crying. Right. Pete's like, I think that was the first time that the fertility issues had been put onto him. His, his shoulders. So he he was not he was feeling really icky about it too. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you go <clears throat> into that sort of situation, you're feeling vulnerable. Yeah. This is such a sen sensitive subject. We were excited. We were like, okay, we're gonna it, get some answers, you know. And you think and, you're, this is like an op a door opening? Yeah. When he kind of like and more of like a collaborative thing, like you know, because that was the experience we had had up, up to that point. Like, sure. You know, here's These here's some yeah. yeah, and here's here's what could it be what it could be or here's the test that I would recommend and you know I think we we're kind of looking for that validation like yeah you don't need to do IVF right <laughs> you, you can wait mm -hmm. and it was just this very like no you have to do this um, all of your testing that you've had done Sydney all of that testing those numbers are going to continue to decline because of your age your your egg quality your ovarian reserve your hormone levels, all of those things are going to continue to tank, probably already have. So the clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. We need to get you going. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go ahead and get you into our finance office to speak to so-and-so. Let's talk money. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're buying a car, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you know, and so we go in there and, I mean, you know, everything's a package deal, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, tons of money. Um people coming in that, that weren't even involved in meeting with us initially were like, oh yeah, people that have vasectomy reversals, you know, like IVF is like their only option. And I, it just felt very orchestrated. It felt very like, I don't know, it just felt targeted. set up. It yeah. felt really weird. And, um, you know, I should have, we should have stopped there and we didn't, we continued, we, we went and had testing done there and that was, not a good experience either. Ironically, all my numbers either stayed the same or went up. So, so you just kind of get that validation, like you're you're full of shit, or mm -hmm. you've drank the Kool Aid, and you know. And I mean, for some for some women, I would think that that urgency is appreciated. Sure. And so. And I think there are women who are in that place where they're like, you know, tell like, me what I, I need tell to do, so need to do let's do it and let's go there. And, That's you know, I point. think that at some point I eventually got to that place as well. I mean, you're just, you know, we were kind of at the beginning of that journey and some people have been in that journey for a long time. And when they finally hear like, this is what we can offer you, they're like, yep, let's just get going. And they appreciate that sure. urgency. So I don't necessarily have an issue with that, but it was just the way that things were presented mm -hmm. that weren't, it wasn't helpful mm -hmm. to us. And it was quite frankly, traumatizing. Yeah. Um, like really traumatizing. Like I called my naturopath crying. She was upset. She felt awful. She had had two other people call her within that week, give her the exact same deal. Wow. Stopped referring people because of that. Um, 
and and then and then I think what was awful is then you have that voice in your in right. the back of your head saying this is the only thing that's going to work for you right this is the only thing that's going to work for you and knowing that at the time Pete and I had absolutely no way to pay that kind of money I felt at that point emotionally I didn't know if I could withstand going through that I had heard a lot of really not good stories about it and I didn't feel strong and um yeah and so then you just go back to okay well we're, we're just going to keep trying naturally and just <laughs> see what happens because mm -hmm. I mean what other choice do we have so at that point you left there didn't really move forward with I think IVF it was another or... two years okay maybe. so you just kind of kept on keeping on trying to do it mm -hmm. and then what it really came down to was the money aspect yeah I mean I um yeah and at the time when we went I had just started working with you guys mm -hmm. you know good job mm -hmm. um things were looking up Pete was an electrical apprentice they pay well as well so we're I mean you know we're moving up the ladder so to speak we have two stepsons, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, I think after a couple of years, and the older I got, I think when I turned thirty-eight was really when I was just like, okay, I need, we need to like talk about what we're gonna do because mm -hmm. if we're gonna do something, we need to do something, mm -hmm. and we don't have that time, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I spent a lot of time really looking at that timeline and, and really sort of regretting some of my choices in my 20s. Because sure. <laughs> you're like, I had the chance. Did you <laughs> Wouldn't ever, have worked out. But. Did you ever have feelings of maybe this just isn't going to work for me? Maybe it's just not going to happen? Yeah. And can I, can that be okay? I think when I turned 38 and when we really started sort of talking about what we could and couldn't do, that was sort of when I started thinking, I may have to accept that this is not going to be, this isn't gonna be part of my story. Mm -hmm. And not really wanting to accept it, but saying, you might have to, mm -hmm. right? And like, I mean, there's been a few things in my life that have happened where, you know, I mean, you don't want to accept things, but you're kind of forced into a place where you where you need to, and you end up being okay, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just end up being okay. So and like, so this I knew is be one of those things. this is going to be one of those things. Like I know I'm going to be okay, mm -hmm. but how am I going to get through this phase of my life? How am I going to get through seeing everybody else that I know get pregnant? How am I going to get through? You know, I mean, I don't know. You just yeah. There's just a lot of feelings like. How am I going to be legit, I guess, mm -hmm. as a woman? And, like, you know, answering those questions about why don't you have kids of your own? And, right. um, yeah. So I want to get through the rest of your story. Yeah, yeah. And I want to yeah, yeah. I want to dive right into all that stuff. So, so you keep trying naturally. Keep trying. Um, and then you started IUI. We kept trying and then I just, my naturopath said, I had had one test done at um, Seattle Reproductive Medicine, SRM. And I was really impressed. They're, they're the, probably the biggest 
mm -hmm. one in for those of you that don't know, we're a Seattle-based club. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and so, um, my naturopath said I have a couple doctors that you know clients have recommended. Um, I did a little bit of research. Um, the doctor that I um, went with, we made an appointment. Um, the appointment was on our fourth year wedding anniversary so I was like this is either gonna be really good or really bad because <laughs> we were going out to dinner afterwards and I was like you know and I mean at the time you know we were walking in there thinking like I just want the doctor to say yeah you, you can do IUI let's try it that's possible and you what's know? IUI stand for for the people that oh, don't God. know do you know it, it's intrauterine insemination so it's, um, it's basically where they take the guesswork and the travel time out of the picture for sperm. So they basically put a catheter right up to where the eggs are, time the ovulation, and release the sperm, mm -hmm. hoping that the sperm find it, mm -hmm. right? And penetrate. And, and penetrate. And, and all and the all other that. miracle stuff that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Pete and I... At the time, we didn't even think, we weren't even sure if we could afford that, but, but we knew that that was more within reach than what IVF would cost. And so we went in there and um, she was running late. And so I was like ready to walk out of there because I was just like, she's fucking late too. And like, this they took, they take your blood pressure, they take your blood pressure before you go in. And my blood pressure was like, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm really I'm, fucking nervous. I'm fucking fine. Like, where's the doctor, right? <laughs> like, Pete's like, calm down. It's not, it's not the other clinic. Like, I'm just like, it's gonna be insane. <laughs> so we walk in there, and she's like, you know, what can I do for you? And um, just kind of looking over stuff. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, I don't know. And she said, well, do you want to try IUI? Because she's like, with everything that I see here, I don't see why we shouldn't try that. And SRM is kind of, um, they try to do sort of the less invasive stuff first, mm -hmm. if appropriate, right? And so based on everything that she was seeing, she was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some medicine to help maybe make your periods heavier, um, you know, but I, I, here's some supplements you and Peter can take. But like, I don't, I think we could probably do at least, the, I, I want to do at least three. And typically after three, and I don't know why, but the, the likelihood of it succeeding goes down. Okay. So we had committed to doing at least three. And then we found out the cost. And the cost was relatively, like, doing that in increments made sense. Mm -hmm. I think it was something like three to 4000 or something. That was doable. So we could mm -hmm. do that. So we started doing that. Um, I opted to get... Um, shots of um like egg growing hormones mm -hmm. versus pills because i had taken the the medicine that they use uh, for that and it's just it's not it's icky mm -hmm. um and this stuff just targets those specific hormones that help the eggs grow the other ones sort of like make you moody and yeah, kind of bash it crazy and migraine yeah yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, Pete can tell you, like, when I was taking letters all, it basically tricks your body into thinking you don't have any estrogen, right? And so, 
I was getting like hot flashes. You know, we'd be like, we were at the Oregon coast and it was like in the winter during a storm and I had the air conditioning on. It was like 52 degrees in the room. And like, I was like, woke up and I was like, oh, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I felt like I was going through menopause. I was like, oh, this is what a hot flash feels like. Fucking great. Like, <laughs> this is wonderful. But like, you know, and then just the arguing and like, just not feeling in your body. Like, I don't like that feeling. And so we opted to pay a little bit more to do the injections. Um, and so we did, we did one, it wasn't successful. I wasn't really too upset about it. Um, I just felt encouraged that we were doing something. Mm -hmm. And then the second and and the, the first time we did it, the medication, I was on a lower dose. Um, so didn't quite get the reaction that they want you to at least try to ovulate two eggs. And the first one I had, the, the dosing was too low. And so I had one egg release. And so they thought they want you to have two. So the second round we got, I think two or three. Likelihood of twins is actually pretty high with IUI. And so you have to be okay with, that was like part of the, right. you know, it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll... Twins take a hard. chance. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, whatever. And so... Um, and then you have to take medication to like trigger ovulation. You have to take medication to keep, keep from ovulating or like be in this holding pattern. And, um, I don't know why, but the second time I really thought it had worked. I was, I felt differently than the first one. Um, you know, I just, I just felt like it had worked. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it didn't. And it was probably like the most depressed I've been during this whole journey. I don't know if it was because of the medication. But you you allowed yourself to be hopeful? Yeah, and I think it was just one more step to knowing like this isn't working. And like we're one more away from like basically saying like, you can either hope for a miracle or you can do IVF, right? And so, and, and knowing that that was pretty out of reach, it was like, I just, I don't know. Like it was, it was devastating. Mm -hmm. It felt really awful. How it, you saying that that was probably the hardest mm -hmm. point. Yep. How was that for your marriage? You know, at that point, after the second one, I don't think Pete and I, I think Pete and I reached sort of a new level of closeness in our relationship in terms of, um, he was grieving just as much as I was. He was just as upset as I was because mm -hmm. he, he, he wanted that so badly, not only for himself, but for me. Um, and I'm not, I'm not by nature a very vulnerable person. Um, through this experience, I've become much more open and much more vulnerable, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, that's one of the gifts that this has given me. Every struggle I've been through in life has given me something. So I'm grateful for that. It's sort of broken my heart open, right, which is good. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was hard. It was great to have a partner because I know a lot of women do not have supportive partners through it. Or they just, they're supportive, but they just don't get it. And, like... You know, Pete had read books. He went to every appointment with me. He, you know, took the herbs. He took the, you know, like he was doing everything that he could. And so I think after that second one, it was just like, fuck. 
-hmm. like what are we going to do now you know and um so immediately following the second one I think it was we were really I felt really connected to him it was when we started sort of talking about next steps that we didn't it was difficult you know I mean there's there's a lot of um, resentment I have from time to time, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. It's like... Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just this resentment. It's like if you hadn't have felt compelled, if you didn't have, you know, an ex-wife who was dishonest and all of the other things, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have felt compelled to get a vasectomy. And then, like, well, why didn't you just get out of marriage, right. you know? It, like, before you even had the second kid. Like, things weren't good from the get-go. Like... Right like why in, why on god's earth did you were you even with her uh -huh. what does that say about yeah. me right you know what i mean like and like just the fact that like i'm i'm raising her children um i think better than she is mm -hmm. and i don't get that credit i don't have anything that's and I don't want to say that I get to control, but, but having just control over that little person, everything that they get to do, you're the one that gets to decide because you're the mother. Mm -hmm. And I don't get that. I don't have that with the boys, right? You just, you just don't. Uh -huh. And so, you know, when we would start talking about next steps and he would sort of, you know, him and Han, like the money piece and like, should we take out a loan? Should we not? And like, you know, and me sitting there going like, I thought you wanted this and like sort of getting into like a panic because, uh -huh. and I think he was panicked too, but just, I don't know. I mean, that, that was a, that was an argument that came up repeatedly th throughout this entire process. Right. You know, me being pissed off, me lashing out, me sitting there going, what the fuck were you thinking? Uh -huh. You know, and like you wasted all this good, these good years and this good sperm on this woman. And like, I'm just over here, like, just knock me up already. Knock me up, get it done. You okay. know, like, why can't we get this done? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't like, I mean, like we had some very rough years in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Around something totally. that traditionally you hope to be a very happy... Romantic, romantic happy, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, this wonderment and, mm -hmm. you know, like, connecting and... Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. So, after it didn't work the second time, you decided... So, it didn't... I think that was October of 2018. That was our last attempt and so we made an appointment with the doctor because um, the doctor at that point said I want you to make an appointment with me just to see where we're at and at that point with how I felt after the second one I didn't want to do a third I didn't have a good feeling about it I didn't um, I just I didn't want to go through that I didn't want to feel like that again and I just that was kind of when I was like okay we're going to go in there and I'll ask her, like, should I freeze my eggs? Like, how much is that? Mm -hmm. Should I, what, is there anything else you would recommend? 
you know, mm -hmm. but basically telling her like, we're going to stop. Here. We're done. And at that point, me sort of, not sort of, getting to that point where it was like, I'm, I'm ready to get off this train and this roller coaster. Maybe I should, maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I need, maybe there's something else that's going to happen that I need to start looking at besides mm -hmm. this. Um, so you kind of hit a point of acceptance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, knowing that like it was going to be awful and it was going to suck and that I was out of time mm -hmm. and you know, whatever. And that I was going to have to grieve that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was prepared to do that, I guess. I was, I was like ready to sit there and go, okay, I'm ready to look at it and go, I'm ready to sit there and feel the feelings and, and feel, admit that I feel inadequate, admit that I feel like I'm a failure and f work through that. And so that's where we were at. And so we went in there and um, she was just kind of talking about the IUI cycle and how it went and blah, 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 blah. And, she just said, well, tell me why you don't want to do IVF. And I said, well, it's not that we don't want to, but we can't afford it. And at that point, like I had said, we could take out a loan, twenty-eight dollars to $30,000 loan. But to me, it felt like I was going to lose either way. I was either going to, we were either going to take out this huge loan, get pregnant, and then have a baby and have this huge loan, right. or which seemed to be more the case than not, take out this huge loan, go exactly. through all this other stuff that's way more invasive, way more emotionally taxing, and then not have anything, and then have this fucking reminder Every month of what payment. went wrong. Yeah, and, and then having two kids and just, I mean, we had put off, we've, we're still renting our house. I mean, we've put off like doing a lot of things, and I just thought, I don't wanna put it off anymore. Like, I wanna buy a home. There's certain things that I want to do. We are not going to be able to do that with this $30,000 loan. Mm -hmm. And so that was also part of it. It was like, I don't want to take that risk. Mm -hmm. And then like thinking, shit, maybe I should take the risk. You know, like that's where you're like, I don't really know. Someone make the decision for Someone me. Someone make the decision for me. And so she, I said, you know, we just can't afford it. And that's where we're at. And she just got this smile on her face. She goes, and she said to me, she goes, oh, I thought you guys had like some sort of religious objection to it. And I was like, no. <laughs> do we look, do we look like that? I don't know. And she's like, well, I have a solution for you if you're interested. And I was like, okay. And so she starts telling us that um, the, the maker of one of the popular um, drugs, fertility drugs is used, that they um, have a medication, similar but different, that they've used in Europe and Canada and for years. All the other awesome places. And that they're looking to get it. Yeah. And that they're, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, the ones we use here are based off of, like, animal cell based, and this one is, like, human cell based, and so, like, whatever. And they were looking to get it approved for use in the United States. The SRM had been selected as one of the clinics to do this nationwide drug study that there would be 500 participants and that we met the criteria for that drug study. And um, 
So we would go through the drug study, it would include a round of IVF, it would include egg retrieval, it would include a fresh transfer, and then if you had eggs left, as many frozen transfers until you got pregnant. If you got less than five eggs retrieved or you got the placebo, the drug company would then pay for a round of IVF with whatever your doctor wanted to so do. So it was a double blind study. Double blind study. Okay, so... Again, a medication that had been used. Um, like, I, I didn't even... Yeah, it was... It was the weirdest thing. She's telling me this. I'm sobbing. Well, she, like, so, had to grab my hand and, like, are you listening? <laughs> well, just, I mean... So prior to that appointment, like, we had yeah. said you were... We were going to say we were you done. You were going to say you were yeah. done. You were already... In an acceptance of that this is where your journey ends. Yep. And then you're sitting across from someone who's like, actually, wait, here's your golden ticket. Here's your deal. Yeah. Here's, here's what, if, you, if you're okay with doing this drug study, you mean, you still have to go through the testing. You right. Know, but, but from everything that you have, I mean, it was, it, it was pretty much for people that had unexplained, pretty routine infertility, right? So unexplained fertility is, is unexplained you know, or certain issues qualified for it. A lot of women uh, have to do IVF because of PCOS and there's mm -hmm. some other things that those were things that did not qualify, qualify you for the study. So yeah. So I was sitting there crying. Pete's laughing because <laughs> he's just like, what? And she's like, yeah, so we need you to come back in, you know, tomorrow and sign the forms. We're like, we're there. <laughs> like, we're, we'll do that. And the whole, like, the whole ride home, we just kept looking at each other going, like, okay, did she say, like, here's what I heard her say. Like, yep, that's what she said. And just, like, so the timing of it all. The, the timing of it. And then, yeah. so just to, to recap. So yeah. you're offered this study. Mm -hmm. You get... You, you, it's double blind, so either you get the actual medication or a placebo. Or a placebo. Yep. And the deal is, if you end up getting the placebo and you don't, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. you're, or if you or if you get the me actual medication, and for some reason it's not effective, and they retrieve less than five eggs. Right. Um, then yeah, you get you get another. You, you get, get another do, shot. You're exited from the study, and then you get to do your. You get another shot. So. Mm -hmm. Really, other than the obvious invasive body, things, this is the golden no ticket risk, of right? like, okay. like feeling like you you won the best prize that you've ever right. won. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. I'd never heard. I didn't even know that those things were available. I didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know. So what happened next? So we filled out all the forms, and then we started the drug trial. Um, so I was, you know, I was given a number, I was given medications, I had to, um, get my blood drawn every two days, I had to get vaginal ultrasounds every two days. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I had to get, uh, you know, give myself shots twice a day. Um, and, and there was a, the worst us. part of it is they can't tell you anything. And so I'd go in and they'd, they'd be looking at the scan and they can't even show you the scan. They can't even show you 
your follicle count, they can't tell you. And so they're looking and then they're like, we'll be right back. So then they go in and talk and then they're like, okay, continue with your medication or whatever. So I'm going to stop there. Yeah. So you told us that there was a point, because at this point you're kind of keeping your stepkids in the dark on all this. Yeah. So you're not really sharing with no. them what you're going through. No. No, you no. don't want bio mom to know mm. what you're mm. going through. But there was a point where your stepson walked in on you giving a shot, mm -hmm. giving yourself a shot. Mm -hmm. What to explain what that was? Because then... Well, I mean, he was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, I'm giving myself a shot. And he said, well, what's that for? And I said, well, you know how, how me and your dad have been trying to have a baby. And he goes, oh, is that just more medicine to do that? And I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, okay. And he just kind of walked away. And so I was like, okay. Because, I mean, they're older now, but, like, there's a whole history behind, I mean, you know, her telling the boys that, you know, if we got pregnant, that we wouldn't want them and that she would she would take care right. of them and that she would never have another baby with anybody else because they were the most important. And when she found out that we were trying, um, she ended up getting pregnant. And I mean, there was a point where my youngest stepson, he was five at the time, so, but you know, they told it, oh, mommy's pregnant. Oh, really? You know, uh, and then he just pointed at me and he just goes, ha ha, she beat you. And I was just like, fucking devastated. Like, had to run out of the room. We had literally, I think that week or the week before we had, that's when we started, like, I think we had gone to the fertility, the first fertility clinic mm -hmm. or something. It was like, it was just not ridiculous. Yeah, it was not good timing. And so like, you know, after that, I was really protective of what we were doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I didn't want her... To be a part of that. Fucking that up anyway. Yeah. I didn't want her, you know, when, when, when things start going good, she inserts herself and we just didn't mm -hmm. want that, mm -hmm. you know? So, so you're giving yourself these shots. Giving myself the shots. I think we were about almost two weeks in and I just, I just kind of knew, I just kind of knew that I had gotten the placebo. I don't know if it was because of the doctors and their facial expressions or just how I was feeling um, but I wasn't experiencing any of the symptoms that I had heard people experience when they're taking these massive amounts of drugs. I mean, you're trying to grow as many eggs in your, in your ovaries as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so you do feel a little uncomfortable, right? And I just wasn't feeling anything. Like I wasn't, and I was just like, I got the placebo, I know I did. And I went in and they said, you know, we're pretty sure we're not going to know for another two years until the study's closed, but we're... We're like 99% sure you got the placebo. So we're going to stop you from the study. So basically I've been injecting water, <laughs> like sterilized water. Um, you know, I had like, my whole stomach was like a bruise. Um, and then I had to keep going in for two more weeks because they, they had to keep doing scans. They had to keep doing blood work. They had to keep doing all that stuff. And, you know, like, I mean, I knew that on the other side, there was this, like, free IVF cycle there. But there was a part of me that was just kind of hoping, like, that was going to be the end of the story. And right. that was fine. And, it, you know, I mean, you just, you get, you get an opportunity and you get hope and then you get disappointed. And, and then you, you get another opportunity, another glimmer of hope, and then you get disappointed. And so, yeah, after that, I was like, well, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Um... And so 
we sort of went into prep mode to do like for and 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 also I didn't I was hoping to get a sense of what IVF felt like <laughs> like I was like I didn't I don't even know shit I don't know what's gonna happen and you know I mean I belong to all these um, stories on Instagram and you know community groups and and that's great but it can also be really like not good because I mean unfortunately fertility treatments are not successful for a lot of people or there's multiple rounds or there's and so like you're excited to start the next ch next chapter but then you don't want to get too excited because mm -hmm. like you know it's probably not gonna work out like I'm 38 about to be 39 you know the doctors are like we need to be realistic with you like it, so it's just constant waiting holding pattern feeling good not feeling good um, and so we were ready to start and then the snowstorm with that the big snowstorm that was the weekend I was supposed to start you literally I mean you have to be going to the doctor's office you have to be getting those ultrasounds and stuff like that and they were like well we can just chance it I'm like, no we're not <laughs> chancing we are doing fucking anything we're not doing that and as it turns out I was the only at that point I had been the only person at that clinic who had received the placebo and so they were unable to even get the medication in time to start then because they were having to get it directly from the drug company and and then they were having to get reimbursement for the IVF procedure and like so all the stars have to align all the stars have to align and they didn't really I mean they were kind of in uncharted territory because they hadn't had a placebo person right. yet yeah and so um, so then we're, we're waiting to start in March and it was two days before I was supposed to pick up the medication, I think. And I called and they still hadn't received it. Ooh. And I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. And they're like, well, we can just put you on birth control and hold what? your, yeah. So it, so a lot of the times they don't do, what I did was a spontaneous start. So I started the IVF cycle going along with my natural cycle, right? Mm. But a lot of women, they put them on birth control to suppress their cycle. And then when timing and scheduling and wise is they take you off the birth control. And for me, it was like, I just, I didn't want to put one more thing mm -hmm. in my body. And so I was like, no, <laughs> like you guys are getting these meds. We're figuring it out. My doctor called, she's like, you know, like you're stressing out and like you're stressing out our staff. And I'm like, listen, I, I apologize, but like we've been waiting to go on this for like two months now. And like, I'm in a place now where I'm like, I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm ready for whatever happens. I have my plan. I have my support. I don't want to wait another month. Like, and I don't know if you've, you understand that. Right. She's like, Oh, okay. Well, it makes more sense now. It just seemed like, you know, you were getting a little, stressed and we don't want people to be stressed before they go into their IVF cycle and I'm like well that's fucking realistic right. because like I don't know everyone like, who walks through your doors is stressed out well yeah and I mean just knowing that like it may not be successful right. knowing that a majority well I don't know now I mean it seemed like a lot of women in there were in their like 20s um, so I don't know if it's impatience or or something else going on trending in terms mm -hmm. of women's health but you know I mean for me it was just like I mean, the risks are high, you know, mm -hmm. and they had told me, you know, a successful cycle for you will be to get zero to two, two at the most, 
embryos that fertilize that we can actually implant. So it was like, okay, so if it doesn't work the first time, I have one more egg, or like if I get zero, then I, you're you know, and you're already thinking about the next. Calculating your chances. Yeah, calculating your chances. It's not a good, good thing. So luckily the meds arrived. <laughs> and um, I think I made it to Seattle in record time to pick him up. I was like, <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> Picked him up, started, started the meds. Um, didn't, I mean, it, it's hard. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. Um, physically you don't feel the greatest, although I didn't feel awful, but it's just, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you take the shot once a day, then you start taking that shot plus another shot. Then you end up taking three and then 48 hours before your egg retrieval, you have to like the needles like this big and they, your husband has to do it like in your hip. But when she said this big, she did like a six oh, I'm sorry. inch, like six inches. And it has to all go in. <laughs> oh my God. So they, so the day before they, like the nurse drew a target and she's like telling Peach, she's like, you just have to like, you just have to jab it in like a dart. And I'm just thinking, are you freaking kidding me? Like this guy is not going to jab it in like a dart. He's going to put it in slowly. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not afraid of needles. I'm not afraid of doing that. But like, I am afraid of somebody else giving me a shot in my hip bone. Yeah. And so, Rightfully um, so. yeah. And so that was like 48, I think it's 48 hours before maybe, um, or 36 hours before the surgery has to be exact. So it was like at midnight, I think I had to give the shot within five minutes of midnight. And they were like, oh, you can ice it, you know? And I was like, okay. So I just, <laughs> I just stuck an ice pack directly on it. And like when it was midnight, I was like, okay, it's time to go. And Pete was like, you've got like frost on your skin. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't feel it. <laughs> and I, I did end up getting a burn on my, on my back. And I was like, oh, I don't care. You know, like I didn't feel it. That was good. Um, and yeah, and then so, and then the night before our egg retrieval, we got in one of the biggest fights we've ever had. And he was sick, you know, like man cold, man cold you know, <laughs> like just, I'm sick and like feel bad for me. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> this isn't about you. We're on the precipice of something really big here. And like, you can't be sick. Like, you need to just man up. And no, I don't feel sorry for you. And like, you know, if you don't show up tomorrow, like, it's going to be a problem. And, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, we both calmed the fuck down. And, I, you know, I mean, we, when I'm nervous about something or when I'm anxious about something, um, I get angry. I, I mean, sure. I just do. I panic and I get angry. And so that was part of it. Um, so then we went in the next day and... Um, did the egg retrieval um, and then so they do the egg retrieval surgery Pete gives a sample prior to the egg retrieval surgery they retrieve the eggs then they fertilize the eggs um, we opted to do um, a procedure that's called ICSI and I don't know what ICSI stands for but it's basically where they put they can either put an egg in a dish and put sperm in there and just kind of hope, hope that the sperm it. like finds it in our case, it was like, let's just not fuck around here. Stick it, lead it right let's up to it. Let's put one sperm in each of the eggs. <laughs> and then they leave them for five days to see which ones make it to what's called 
the blastocyst stage, which is day five. Um, so then you're waiting again. So luckily though, I had 10 eggs retrieved and nine were mature. So nine could be fertilized. They could be mm -hmm. right. And, um, so then you have to wait for five days. So you're recovering from the surgery. I had never had surgery before. It's not bad, but you know, you're, you're uncomfortable for a few days and, and then you go in on day five to find out, um, how many made it and you don't really know until you get there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I, I, I was like, okay, we had, we had nine to work with, like we knew that eight had fertilized. I, I remember that eight had fertilized and I was just still thinking in my head, like it's going to be like zero to two, like, okay, like let's hope for two. Right. Let's hope for two. So at least if we do this, we implant one embryo today, which is called a fresh transfer. If we do that today, then, you know, and it doesn't work, um, then we've got one more to work with. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's the number always that we're going to calculating your... Yeah, you're always calculating your chances, you know, mm -hmm. and like, what are the odds? And like, what, where, where can I hold on to the, to the hope and then also be realistic about it? Mm -hmm. And so we went in there... And um, fresh transfers don't often work or have a lower success rate because they're done five days after the egg retrieval. So they're done five days after your body has been like harvesting all these eggs, giving yourself right. all these hormones. hormones. And, and yeah. so um, depending on how many eggs you retrieve, sometimes they don't even recommend you do a fresh transfer. Sometimes they just say, we're going to freeze them all and you can wait a couple of cycles. Um, but we were able to do one and the embryologist came in and she was like, okay, well, here's a picture of your embryo. And she gave us a picture of this five day old little cell. I mean, just a bunch of cells. And you're like, wow. <laughs> she's like, this is what we're going to be implanting today. Like, this is weird. Um, and then she says, you know, we had a really hard time picking which one to do. Um, currently, you have eight, I'm sorry, eight that made it. Um, so we're implanting one today. We have two more that we're watching for an extra day. But you have eight that made it to day five. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And she's like, you know, at this point, I think five were excellent quality two were fair or something like that. So it wasn't like none of them were like poor or whatever. And she said, this is, this is, this one looks like five of the other ones. So we just went with this one. And so then she's like, I'll be right back. You know, we're going to get the embryo prepared and all this other stuff. And she left the room and I just, you know, cause I love Pete for his positivity. And I also sometimes want to fucking strangle him for it because I'm just like, my God. And you know, the whole time he's like, it's going to be fine. Like it's going to work out. Like we're going to, we're going to have. And so like, I look over at him and he's laughing again. And I just lost it. Not in a bad way. It was just kind of like, it felt like a release from like five years of just like, holy shit. Like, it worked out. You're finally here. You're finally, I'm finally here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had every single, um, 
my brother and my dad are, are no longer here. And so I have little mementos that I wear and, and I wore them every time I, came, I went into, um, went into these appointments and, you know, people can believe what they want, but I, I just, I felt like they were there. I felt like they were there and they were watching, you know, they were seeing it. It was pretty cool. It felt really good and it felt really complete. And it just felt like, okay, like, I think I need to stop expecting the other shoe to drop. Because when you look at the entire story from beginning to end. So finish your story. Oh, well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so they implanted, they implanted the embryo. And then you have to wait for two weeks. They call it the two-week wait mm -hmm. um, um, until you're pregnant. And so, you know, you've got another two weeks. And probably about three days before I was supposed to have my blood test, I, I was cramping. I was having a, you know, going to have a period. I was convinced that it hadn't worked. I was okay with it, but not happy about it because that might, we'd probably have to spend more money and, you know, whatever. But we have these embryos um and so i went into seattle to do the blood test and i was just kind of like i don't know why i'm here like i was just really like here's my mm. arm take my blood yeah they usually call you between like one and two for same day blood work right you start to know like the whole workings of that place and i went home and was just kind of sitting there and one o'clock came and went and two o'clock came and went and I'm just thinking they're waiting till the end of the day and the doctor's gonna call me or then my nurse is gonna call me and they're like, you know, didn't work, but it's okay. Um, and so the phone rang and uh, I didn't want to answer it and I started crying. Um, and then I picked it up and uh, my nurse said, you're pregnant. I just need to tell you that before we go any further because I know you've been waiting. And I was like, no shit. Like, no way. And she's like, yeah. She's like, your, your numbers are really good. You are pregnant. And yeah, so first I was like, what? And then like I just started sobbing again. And I fell to the floor because I was just like, just sitting there. just I was by myself, you know? And so I was just like, that was... I, I mean, I'd been waiting to hear those words for a long time. And um, she asked, she was like, I'm going to call you back in five minutes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, please call me back. <laughs> and so I called Pete and, you know, he was like, yeah. He's like, I knew it. And all oh, the, all of his workers in the back were like, yeah. I'm like, really? And, uh, yeah. And so... That was, and then I had to go in every couple days for the next week just to make sure that um, the HCG hormone level was rising. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was rising very strongly. And then the last final test is to go in for a seven week ultrasound to make sure that the embryo has a heartbeat. And um, that was really a, a neat, um, you know, it just looks like a blob, but then you just see this really fast flicker mm -hmm. at like seven weeks and you're just like, Oh my God, that's your baby. That's my baby. So yeah. And now I'm 
just a little over five months pregnant. And Yay! I do in December. <laughs> She's so cute, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so sometimes it works. And we, did, we had one embryo that didn't survive, but we have six more that are, um, that are frozen and that we can yeah. use at a later date. So, um, so I kind of... Now that, because I wanted, I was hoping you were going to save that nugget for the very last. I didn't, Oh, like, I, no, like I wanted you to wait to t tell that oh, you were yeah. actually pregnant. Everybody like waiting? Yes. Like, <laughs> what's what happening? So I want to unpack it. all of that and, and like talk about all of the, the points in your journey. Mm -hmm. Like I, this is the second time I've heard your story mm -hmm. and I just get so excited at some of the points because I feel like, and I think I said this the first time we talked, that yeah. I, I, I am one of those people that say everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I know some people really don't like that. Um, but your story in particular, like I feel like there were those moments where you were just over it and done and mm -hmm. at your you're on your knees, defeated, mm -hmm. and then something else came up. And offered you hope, mm -hmm. and I, I just love that about your story. And then I, yeah. So I mean, yeah. um, so I know our listeners really want to hear about. Um, we talked a little bit about how it affects your marriage. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like to go through all of this while raising kids that aren't yours? Hard hard um what advice would you give people also going through this boy oh boy um i think that it's really good to go talk to someone yeah um you know we 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 went to marriage counseling and i um, in the thick of it, and I think that was really, really helpful. Um, and I think uh, learning to pick my battles with bio mom mm -hmm. and stepping back in some respects. Um, there's that pressure to co-parent, and for, I think, some people it's not possible and um, you know there's that parallel parenting thing that mm -hmm. I've read once that I think you guys have referenced to mm -hmm. and um, when we made that shift um, to doing that um, I felt like we were sort of taking back our lives yeah, and absolutely um, you know she's been cut off on I mean we can only communicate through email, we don't allow her to contact us any other way. Um, you know, even if I was communicating with her, it would go through Pete. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just and and not and not being deterred because of that. You know, mm -hmm. not being deterred or or um, giving up because of that. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Bringing up our last episode where Gannett was talking about, you know, her hesitation with 
mm-hmm. wanting to start a family because of the chaos and yeah. and all that stuff. Like, and I, I mean, and I, I, I remember listening to that and thinking, there's no good time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the chaos has been to one degree or another constant. Um, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, we've sought legal advice and, um, you know, have the opportunity to make some pretty crucial decisions. And we've had people tell us, um, attorneys say, you don't want to, you don't want to do that while you're pregnant. Um, I think everybody goes through stress differently. I, um, I don't know. I think I'm more adapt to stress than maybe other people just because of my history and what I've been through as a person. But um, I definitely think that at times the the stress and the chaos contributed to um, not our ability to conceive, mm-hmm. but our ability to make that our focus and, sure. and be mindful about it. Everything and, else is so distracting. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. And so learning to live, to move forward in your life and your plans, mm-hmm. regardless of what, you know, yep. she's going to do. I think I get, we get a lot of messages and emails from people who are list from our listeners. Mm-hmm. And so many people are, wanting to know kind of essentially what they're asking is how do I separate what goes on? How do I not let her influence everything? I don't know if you can. I mean, I, I I think that that's a great, that's a great idea in theory. Um, but I don't know if you can, if you're a, if you're an engaged and consistent and present, um, bonus mom, I I don't know if you, if you can separate it. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you have a bio mom in the picture who's doing what they need to do. Sure. Um, but if they're not, and you care about these two kids that are really the ones getting the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I was talking to Gannett before, I'm a passionate person, and it just, it boils my blood to see, you know, two kids getting the shit end of the stick because their mom can't get her shit together, mm-hmm. you know, and just can't act like a decent human being. And no matter how I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean like, you know, like yoga was great. Um, you know, (laughs) acupuncture works well, um, you know, going to the gym, um, you know, I mean, there's all the, a lot of self-care things that we all know Uh know, because of what we do that I think can help lessen the stress, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's realistic to expect that like you're, you're going to be able to separate the two. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if it, if it was like a formula, it's like, it's, it, you can't separate it. And also lean on your husband. Yeah. Lean on your husband. Yeah. Because that is a lot of the advice or feedback that I give back to these, these emails and these, these messages that we get are, it always starts with, have you talked to your husband about mm-hmm. how you're feeling? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean. It would be much more stressful if my husband and I didn't weren't able to have a dialogue about it, mm-hmm. you know. And and sometimes the dialogue is tense, and sometimes you know again because those resentments come in. It's like, 
you're, what were you fucking thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but ultimately we're a team, you know, and, yeah. and, and having that open dialogue with him, you know, and also him being on the same page and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's through it, particularly when I was going through the IVF, but he was particularly protective of me and, and my stress level and my, and my time um, spent dealing with her. And so I think that that, that helped a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's any, um, good time to look at having a a child. I don't think that there's, I mean, like, you know, I mean, um, everything has unfolded exactly how it should. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I agree with you. I, I sometimes roll my eyes and everything happens for a reason, but I also um, see that in all of the things, the tragedies and all the things that I've seen in my life. At some point I've been able to look back at it and go, well, here's something that I got out of that and here's something that I've learned or... And I think that that's, I, not to get too philosophical or, yeah. you know, I mean, but, it, but I think it does, the person who kind of accepts that as a philosophy of life... Yeah. Is able to do that. Yeah. Is able to I see think you can be that, more should, that should happen to me. Yep. What did I learn from it? How did I benefit from yep. it? What would have happened if I did get what I want? Because sometimes if you got what you wanted, maybe that's not what you wanted. And I mean, that's I thought right. I wanted to marry my ex. Thank yeah. fucking God he broke up with me. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think we've all dodged the bullet you know? in that regard. So yeah. it's, <laughs> you, know, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think also our listeners... Um, because we had we had talked that there were things throughout this journey that were very helpful helpful for you, and then things that were not so helpful for mm-hmm. you. Can you speak to those? So, as a person going through this, what was a support, and then how can people be more respectful or mm-hmm. um, be more supportive? I think it's a very weird place to be. It's a weird place for the person going through it to be, and it is a very weird and awkward place for acquaintances and friends of the person going through it. Um, so I don't, th- I mean, uh, you know, there have been um, people I have. There's a quote, and I think it's like a few people care, the rest are just curious. Mm. And I think that really anything you go through in life that requires, uh, that, that is a test or something like this, you find out who your real friends are. Um, when I get anxious, I tend to just share with anybody and everybody, and I think that was my mistake, is when I was first starting this fertility journey, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of hope and, and also a lot of anxiety and wanting to belong, you know? And so not having that, um, I would have been more selective about sharing that story from the beginning. And I became more selective through that process. Um, there were friendships that I distanced myself from Um, there are people that distance themselves from me because of, you know, probably, um, the way that I was reacting or responding. Um, it was very difficult to 
openly support and be a decent friend to people who had just had babies. Mm -hmm. sure. I, and I, and I, uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. I understand it and I, and I see where I could have done things differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's just that space that you have to take for yourself, Absolutely. you know, not going to, if it's not feeling good to go to a baby shower, not going to a baby shower. Um, you have to honor where you are in that moment. Yeah. I mean, really, and just take that space and, and if people understand great and if they don't, okay, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think people asking me, um, you know, I had, um, a couple people, one person in particular, would come up to me and say, are you pregnant? And I'd say no, and she'd go, okay, well just to let you know, so-and-so is. And I found that to be, well, we're, we're no longer friends. I found that to be extremely, it was surprising. Is that supposed to be helpful? Right. I don't know, you know, I, I, I still don't know, and, and I think that was, I mean, that's part of my deal. It's like when someone shows me who they are and they do that, I tend to really distance myself. Um, I'm getting better about you know, the friendships that matter in my life when there's some discord, I, I, I'm getting better about saying like, hey, this really bothered me. But at the time, it was just like, uh, you know, that's not fucking helpful, like at mm -hmm. all. That doesn't, I, first of all, I don't give a shit that that other person's pregnant. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that. I don't even see that person anymore. Why are you bothering telling me? That's just kind of feels like, that she was like yeah. protecting you, but really, I think that's like, what it, where yeah. it was coming from. But I think it was just really, it came across it was unsolicited, <laughs> unsolicited. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the unsolicited advice, um, you know, the, the stay positive and the just relax, you'll get pregnant, you know, like just, just, just chill out you know like it'll it'll mm -hmm. happen I know people who tried for years and years and then they adopted and and they got pregnant and that yeah and that does happen that's a mm -hmm. I believe in that I believe in the body relaxing and things happening but so, you know what that puts been... some of the blame on that person absolutely yeah so I think not doing the unsolicited advice what would have been helpful to hear I think the things that were helpful for me to hear I don't even know if it was hearing things. It was just having the friends that I had in my life um, be interested in what I was doing and remembering the milestones and remembering the dates that things were happening and sending little texts and saying, I'm thinking of you today and not sitting there and saying like, you know, have some hope like it's gonna be okay but you know just saying like I feel like shit today and and, and a friend saying yeah right like just you feel like shit where you, you are. feel like shit today yeah mm -hmm. yeah and just and and then also just kind of providing a distraction you know like let's just talk about regular stuff you know right. my my best friend um her and I had a kind of a rift and 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 I said to her because she just wasn't asking me about this stuff and I was like why aren't you like talking to me about this stuff. I, she was like, I just got the sense that you didn't want to talk about it because you were, you were just so involved in it. And I just thought maybe you didn't want to. And, and so I think there's a fine line, you know, I mean, some people it's like, well, let's avoid that and let's not talk about sure. it. Um, I think 
And I think it depends on your closeness to the person that's going sure. through it too. I think at least maybe it's once I got in my thirties or something, I just realized <laughs> that like asking someone, what do you need from me? Has like opened a lot of dialogue in my relationships. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's a friend who's going through infertility issues a friend who had a miscarriage, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a friend who's going through a divorce, mm -hmm. a friend, you know, it's like, I don't want to just offer what I think they need yeah. or like what I think they want or yeah. whatever. Like I just simply ask, what do you, like, and I mean, even in, I get a text message from a friend and it's like this long thing of like, this is what I'm going through right now. Sometimes I'm really quick to be like, this is what you should do. Have you thought of this? Right, and right. it's like, I have to stop myself and be like, maybe they don't want advice. Maybe they just want to vent and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it. Venting. So recognizing the need for space. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is a very, despite the fact that infertility is rising, it's still a very isolating experience and it still feels very lonely and you feel vulnerable. Um, and again, I'm not used to feeling vulnerable. And so it was, it was a very, very, very weird time for me in terms of, you know, I don't know, just how I was acting and behaving. And, um, there were parts of me that were really protective and guarded. And then there were other parts of me that just really wanted to be accepted and be a part of a group. And, um, you know, I think just taking care of my, I, you know, focusing on the things that you can control because some, so much of this is beyond our control. Yeah. You know, the science of IVF is wonderful, but there's still a lot of just mystical, magical mm -hmm. stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think when I started focusing on the things that I could control, my health, the way that I ate, the way that I treated other people, um, who I who I socialized with, who I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. where I spent my time, mm -hmm. um, working on those areas, mm -hmm. that was really helpful. Yeah, because then you feel like okay, I have there there is something that I can that I can work on and control and improve and you know. And so I think doing that too was really helpful. Yeah. Um, I think that anyone going through for infertility should look at doing acupuncture, doing massage, doing spa days mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as possible. Like taking the time to just really take care of yourself and your body. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of that was helpful in me being successful. Mm -hmm. Hard to say. Right. But... I think some of that really helped me prepare for mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just having people in my life that like, you know, they weren't curious. They, they really cared and they really, I don't know. Like when you have people in your life that want you to want this to happen for you as badly as you do, you mm -hmm. know, and they cry when, when you're sad and they cry when you have something ha happy happen, mm -hmm. and, you know I mean? it's been really neat to see how many people 
that Pete and I um, associate with are so fucking excited for us, you know? And it's just like, it feels really good, mm-hmm. you know? Because for a long time, I think everybody was just starting to think like, this is it, you know? I mean, we weren't the only ones. And then when they hear it, you know, it's just nice to share that. It's nice to share that joy with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think just, I mean, just taking, looking at the things that you can control and and then just appreciating um, this journey isn't just, you know, the person that's actually having the procedures done. It's mm-hmm. the other person that's involved. Yeah. You know, it's the partner, too. Mm-hmm. Some women do this alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, having a partner who's supportive, I think, uh, has been very helpful. Mm-hmm in this process and having a partner who um, was there for all the appointments and understood what went, what was going on and mm-hmm. equally you know. invested. Yeah, equally invested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing December. December. Yay! So I haven't mentioned this to you yet, but maybe our listeners would be interested in having you back on. Yeah. Once you get reintegrated. <laughs> into having an RJ. What it's like to be a stepmom with a newborn baby. Yeah. I don't know. You might get yeah. a you might get a very interesting recording. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that's the unknown. It's yeah. like, oh my god, what's that gonna be like? Yeah. Yeah. So um I did want to thank you um again for coming on because I know that it's a very vulnerable subject and it's um this is one of our longest I'm so sorry. I know. No, I looking at no, no, no. Hours, this like, is shit. for good reason. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you for uh, for coming on. Um, You're welcome. If there are any questions about this episode, any follow-up questions for Sydney, you can send us an email or DM us, and we'd be happy to pass those on to her. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to end it here. So. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Radical Stepmoms. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like in the app and share our podcast with your fellow stepmamas. You can also follow us on our Instagram page at Radical Stepmoms Podcast. Or if you have any questions or ideas, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us at Radical Stepmoms Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.